Welcome everyone. This is Vineet from Edureka. In today's session, we are going to go through MapReduce tutorial. The agenda for today's session is we'll understand what is Hadoop MapReduce. We'll understand what is MapReduce in a nutshell. We'll explore the two major advantages of MapReduce. We'll understand Hadoop MapReduce approach using an example. We'll understand how MapReduce works with YARN and its components. We'll understand the application workflow of YARN. Okay. So I hope you guys are clear with the agenda of today's session. Okay. But we'll understand MapReduce conceptually in very depth. Great. So let's move on and start with the very first slide which you have already seen in your previous sessions. That is on Hadoop components. As you guys already know about the two main components of Hadoop. The first one that is Hadoop storage which is handled by Hadoop HDFS which you have already gone through in your previous session. In case you would like to revise it. You can always go through the recording present in your LMS. In today's session, we are going to focus on the processing unit of Hadoop that is called Hadoop MapReduce. So guys, let's not wait. We'll move on to the very first slide on Hadoop MapReduce that is what is Hadoop MapReduce and why is it required? Does any one of you have the idea what is MapReduce? Would like to give a try? Can you please write down on the chat window? Anyone? No worries. Let me tell you. So Hadoop MapReduce is actually the processing unit of Hadoop using which you can process the big data that is present on Hadoop HDFS or that is stored on Hadoop HDFS. But what is the requirement? Why do we need Hadoop MapReduce in the first place? It is because the big data that is stored on Hadoop HDFS is not stored in a traditional fashion. The data gets divided into chunks of data which is stored in respective data nodes. Okay, so there is no complete data that is present in one single location or one centralized location. Hence a native client application which used to be there like a Java application or any other application cannot process that data right away. And hence we needed a special framework that has the capability of processing the data that stays as a blocks of data into respective data nodes and the processing can go there and process that data and then only bring back the result. So that kind of a framework is Hadoop MapReduce. Guys are you clear with this? Because this is very important concept you need to understand why do we need Hadoop MapReduce in the first place. If you can give me a quick confirmation on the chat window we'll move ahead. Saurav is very clear. What about the others? Andrea, Matthews, Sam, guys are you clear? Ashish, okay. Looks like most of you are clear. In case you have any queries, you can write down on the chat window itself. And we'll move on to the next slide. And we'll see MapReduce in a nutshell. So this particular slide basically gives you the overview of MapReduce. And what are the things that are related to MapReduce? To start with, what are the applications of MapReduce or where it is used? For example, it is used for indexing and searching. It is used to create classifiers. It can be used to create recommendation engines like it has been created by big e-commerce companies like Amazon, Flipkart. It can be used for analytics by several companies. When we talk about the features of MapReduce, it is a programming model. It can be used for large-scale distributed model like Hadoop HDFS. It has the capability of parallel programming which makes it very useful. When I talk about functions that are present in MapReduce, there are basically two functions that get executed. One is the map function and the second is the reduce function, which we'll be understanding in detail in today's session as well, as well as in the subsequent session after this. 
if you talk about design patterns that has already been there in the industry for a long time, yes, you can also implement all those design patterns using MapReduce like summarization, classification, recommendation, or analytics, right? Like join and selection. MapReduce has been implemented by major giants like Google, and it has also been adopted by Apache Hadoop for HDFS, for processing data in HDFS, for processing data using FIG, for processing data using Hive or for storing data or executing queries over the big data using HBase, which is a NoSQL database, right? So this is something which actually gives you the overview of MapReduce and what are the various features, what are the applications, where it is implemented, what are the functions that I use. That kind of information is given in this slide. Guys, are you able to grab that information? If you can give me a quick confirmation on the chat window, that would be great, okay? Matthew says yes. What about the others? Everyone, are you clear? Andrea, is it clear to you? Saurav says yes. Ashish says yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Let's move on. And now we'll explore the two biggest advantages of MapReduce. The very first advantage is parallel processing. You must be aware of parallel processing from before as well because it's not a very new term. Using MapReduce, you can always process your data in parallel. Okay, as you can see in the diagram, there are five slave machines and there's some data that is residing on these machines. These boxes are nothing but representing a chunk of data, a block of data or a STFS block, which is getting processed in the respective slave machines, right? You can see your circle going on. So this simply represents the processing. Okay, so in here data gets processed parallelly using Hadoop MapReduce and hence the processing becomes fast. So it is as simple as the work time problem that you would have solved in your school days. For example, uh, you would have solved a problem like if a particular task is done by one person, he's going to take one day. So the same task, if it is done by three persons, how many days it is going to take to finish the job, right? So what are we doing there? We are actually distributing the task among three people and hence the time that is taken to execute that job becomes less, right? Similarly, same happens in Hadoop MapReduce. What happens is entire chunk of data gets divided by Hadoop HDFS into HDFS blocks and the processing now processes this data in parallel and hence the processing becomes fast. So guys, are you clear how MapReduce does parallel processing and how is it faster than the normal processing? Everyone, if you can give me a quick confirmation. Saurav says yes. Saurav is able to understand everything. Great. So Matthew has a question, MapReduce uses YARN framework. Absolutely right, Matthew. YARN was introduced with Hadoop 2.0 and hence it uses YARN framework, which we'll be talking later in the session. Okay, is it clear? Andrea, are you clear with this? Thanks for the confirmation, thank you. So I'll move on to the next slide and we'll explore the second advantage of Hadoop MapReduce, that is data locality. This is one versatile thing that is given by Hadoop MapReduce that is you are able to process the data where it is. What does it mean? Let me tell you. In your HDFS tutorial session, you understood that the data that you move into Hadoop cluster gets divided into HDFS blocks and these blocks are stored in the slave machines or the data nodes, right? As you can see, the data is stored in all these slave machines that are there in this picture, right? What MapReduce does is it sends the processing, it sends the logic to the respective slave nodes or the respective data nodes where the data is actually residing as HDFS blocks. So what happens is the processing is executed over a smaller chunk of data in multiple locations in parallel. 
right this saves a lot of time as well as it saves the network bandwidth that is required to move big data from one location to other just remember that this was big data which was broken down into chunks right if you start moving that big data through your network channels into a centralized machine and then process it it will give you no advantage right because you are going to consume the entire bandwidth just in moving the data to a centralized server right so using MapReduce, you are not just doing parallel processing. However, you are also moving the processing, the logic that you would like to execute over big data into the respective slave nodes where the chunks of data are present. And hence, you are also saving a lot of network bandwidth, right, which is very beneficial. Finally, when the slave machines are done with the processing of the data that is stored at the slave machines, they send back the results to the master machine because the results are not as big as the blocks that were stored on the slave machine. Hence, it will not be utilizing a lot of bandwidth, right? So what they do is they send the results back to the master machine. These results are aggregated together and the final result is sent back to the client machine which actually submitted the job, right? So are you guys clear with data locality that MapReduce is processing the data at the location where the data is stored instead of bringing the data into one centralized server guys if you can give me a quick confirmation in the chat window that will really help everyone Saurav says yes Matthew says yes guys if you have any question you can write down on the chat window before we move to the next slide we have a question from Matthew which is who decides which processing part should be sent to which data node that is actually a very good question so what happens is Client submits the job to the resource manager. Okay, so the resource manager is the one which tells that, okay, you need to execute the job on these respective data nodes where the data is residing. Okay, it decides on the basis of nearest data nodes that are there so that a lot of network bandwidth is not utilized. Okay, does that answer your query, Matthew? Great, thanks, Matthew. Saurav says master equal to name node. Saurav, what happens is, yes, name node is the master but it is the master of the SDFS part. When we talk about the processing of the big data part, that is handled by resource manager. Hence, resource manager is the master of that unit. Great. So we'll move on to the next slide and we'll explore the traditional versus the MapReduce way. For this, we'll take a real life analogy of election votes counting. Okay, everyone would be aware of elections, right? It happens everywhere. So you would be aware of booths as well. So booths are the location where people come and cast their votes, right? So there are n number of booths spread across the country, right? Let's take a scenario where we have five booths, okay, where people will go and cast their votes. Now, we also have a result center, which has all the information of the booths that are there and where they are located, okay? However, when people come and cast their votes in these respective booths, the votes are kept there itself. That is, booth A will have its own n number of votes, booth B will have n number of votes, booth C will have n number of votes. Similarly, booth D and E will also have n number of votes that were casted there itself. That information is not shared with the result center, right? So let's move on and let's see how does the vote counting will happen in the traditional fashion. Okay, so if you solve this problem using the traditional way, all these votes will be moved to a centralized result center right here and then the counting would start. Now in this case, if we do this, what happens is we need to move all the votes to a result center. 
which is a costly affair, right? That is, you'll have to gather all the votes and move to a center location. So there is a cost involved along with that, along with the effort, right? Second point is result center also gets overburdened because it has to count all the votes that were casted in these respective booths, right? As well as since they are counting votes that were casted in all the booths, it is going to take a long time. So this process doesn't work very well. Let's see how does MapReduce solve this problem. So the very first thing is MapReduce doesn't follow this approach. Now when you see the MapReduce way, what happens is, as you already learned in our previous slide, that is MapReduce follows data locality, right? So that means it is not going to bring all the votes into a centralized result center. Instead, it will do the counting in the respective booths itself in parallel, right? So what is happening is, so once the votes that are casted on every booth are counted, they are sent back to the result center and the result center now only has to aggregate the results that were sent from respective booths and announce the winner. So this way declaring the result becomes easy and very quick. Okay, let's move on. Now let's understand MapReduce in detail. Okay, now what did we do in the previous example? So we had an input, okay, and that input was distributed among various booths. Now every input was processed by a respective map function, okay. In the starting I told you that MapReduce has got two functions, one is map and the other is reduce. So the counting part that I talked about which was done on the respective booths was done by the map function. So every input at every booth was counted using the map function right here. After that, the results were sent to the reduce function. So the aggregation part is done by the reduce function and the final result is given as the output. So this is what has happened in our previous example. Okay, so the entire thing can be divided into map task and reduce task. Map task gets an input. The output of the map task is given to the reduce task and this reduce task gives the output finally to the client. Are you guys clear now? If not, Let's not worry, let's move on to the next slide where you'll understand this better, okay? In this slide, you'll understand the anatomy of MapReduce. So what happens is a MapReduce task works on a key value pair as you can see on the left. So when I talk about a map, a map takes the input as key value, okay? And gives an output as a list of key value, okay? Now this list of key value goes through a shuffle phase and an input of key and a list of values given to the reducer. Finally, the reducer gives you a list of key value pairs, okay? In this slide, what you need to understand is MapReduce works with key values itself and the remaining thing, we'll be understanding this in the coming slides. So guys, are you clear with this? A map task takes an input as key value pair, gives the output as list of key values. In between map and reduce, there's a shuffling phase which happens and gives input as key and a list of values. And the final outcome is list of key values. We'll move on to the next slide. Uh, let us take an example to understand the map reduce way. Okay. So we had an input, right? The input that you have gets divided or it gets splitted into various inputs. Okay. So that process is called input splitting. So the entire input gets divided into splits of data on the basis of the new line character. The very first line is the first input that is deer, beer and river. The second line is the second input car, car and river. Okay. What will be the third input split? It would be deer, car and beer. Correct. Now let's move on to the next phase. That is the mapping phase. 
Now in the mapping phase, if you can see, what we do is we create a list of key value pairs. Okay. So the input is key and value. So key is nothing but the offset of the line number. The line number is the key and the entire line is the value. Okay. So line one, the offset would be the key and the value would be dear, beer and river. In real life, the line number or the offset is actually a hexadecimal number. However, to make it easy, we will only consider it as one or two, right? So line number one would be the key and this the entire line would be value. Okay. When it is passed to the mapping function, what mapping function will do is it will create the list of key value pairs. For example, dear. So what it will do is it will read every word from the line and it will mark one after the comma. Okay. It will mark one as a value. So dear comma one, beer comma one and river comma one. Why are we putting one after every word? It is because dear is one count. So dear comma one. Beer in itself is one count. So beer comma one. River in itself is again a one count. So river comma one. So we have key value pairs that is dear comma one, beer comma one and river comma one. Similarly, when we come to the second line, we'll read each word from the line that is car and we'll mark one against it because it is one count in itself. So car comma one, again car comma one and again river comma one. What will happen with the third line? What will be the result of the mapping function when this is the input? It's dear one, car one and beer one. Why can't we write car comma two in the second line? He's talking about the second map function. Okay. Why did we write car comma one and car comma one right here and not car comma two? It's actually very logical. That is why can't we aggregate if it is there in the same map phase itself? So yes, you can do that. However, there's a concept called combiner that I have not explained it to you right now, which we'll be talking later in the sessions. Okay. So for now it will be kept like this aggregation is not going to happen in the map phase. Let's move on and let's go on to the shuffling phase. So let's see what happens in shuffling phase. In shuffling phase for every key there is a list prepared. Okay. So K2 comma list V2 for every key there is a list of values that will be prepared in shuffling phase. What shuffling phase will do is so it will find the appearance of key bear and it will add the values into the list. So let's see what is happening. You can see that there are two incoming arrows. The first arrow is coming from list one. So bear and then in the list it has added one. The other arrow was coming from this list. So bear comma one again. So what it did instead of adding a, another key, it just added the value one in the list of values part. Okay. So the result would be bear comma list one comma one because there were two occurrences of bear in two different lists. Guys, are you clear? Can you give me a quick confirmation? Matthew says yes. Saurabh, are you clear? Good. Similarly, when I talk about car, so again for car, another list will be prepared for values. So as you can see that there are three incoming arrows. Two arrows are coming from the same list. So car one comma one and the third arrow is coming from the last list again comma one. Okay. So since there were three occurrences of car, hence the list of values will have three ones, one comma one comma one. Okay. Similarly goes with dare. Now dare was there in the first list and the third list. Hence there were two occurrences. So dear comma one and one. One and one is nothing but the values that are against the respective keys in the map phase. Right. Can you tell me what will be the fourth answer? 
the answer would be river 1 comma 1. It is because river was found in two different lists. The first list river 1, so first occurrence and then river 2. So river and then the list of values that is 1 comma 1. Now comes the reducing phase. In reducing phase what we are doing is we start aggregation of the values that were present in the list against every key. So for beer there were two values present in the list 1 comma 1. So the summation of these values will be done. So beer comma 2. Similarly for car the values will be summed. So 1 plus 1 plus 1 becomes 3. A result from reducing function would be car 3. For deer it becomes 1 plus 1 deer 2. Can you tell me what will be the last answer? The answer would be river comma 2. It's because the values are 1 and 1 and 1 plus 1 becomes 2. So this will be the result for river and at last the final result will be sent back to the client with beer comma 2, car comma 3, deer comma 2 and river comma 2. This is how the entire word count process works when you are using MapReduce way. Guys, if you are able to understand this MapReduce example, you will be able to work with MapReduce very easily. Now let's understand how MapReduce is using yarn to execute the jobs over the cluster. But before we go ahead, guys, do you know the full form of yarn? What does yarn stand for? Quick guys, yet another resource negotiator. Absolutely right. It is the one which allocates the resources for various jobs that needs to be executed over the Hadoop cluster. It was introduced in Hadoop 2.0 itself. Till Hadoop 1.0, MapReduce was the only framework or only processing unit that can execute over the Hadoop cluster. However, in Hadoop 2.0, Yarn was introduced using which we were able to go beyond MapReduce as well. As you can see in this slide. Okay, so we have HDFS in the bottom. In between, we have got Yarn. And using Yarn, lot of frameworks are able to connect and utilize HDFS. Okay, so now even MapReduce has to connect using Yarn request for resources and then only it can execute the job over HDFS that is Hadoop cluster. Okay, similarly Spark can connect, other search engines can connect to HDFS, Storm can connect to it, HBase which is a NoSQL database which can connect to it. So the applications of HDFS became huge just because Yarn was able to open the gates for other frameworks, other big data analytics tools as well. So guys, are you clear where YARN falls into the picture? Matthew says, what is the difference between MRV1 and MRV2? So MRV1 was essentially the part of Hadoop Framework 1. With Hadoop 2, YARN came into the picture as well as MapReduce was upgraded to MRV2 with several changes in the classes. The classes were updated. However, the syntax of writing the MapReduce program remained the same. But in this scenario, MapReduce now connects with YARN to access the HDFS. Are you clear? Matthew. Matthew says resource manager and node manager also came into the picture. Absolutely right. Along with YARN, resource manager and node manager also are the new demons that was introduced into the Hadoop cluster. Previously, it was the job tracker and the task tracker. However, they were removed in 2.0 Hadoop and resource manager and node manager were introduced along with yarn into the Hadoop framework. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the daemons present in Hadoop 2.x cluster which runs the components that is storage and processing. In the HDFS tutorial class we understood the daemons that is name node and data node in detail. In today's session let's understand how does resource manager and node manager works in Hadoop 2.x cluster and manages the processing and the jobs that needs to be executed over the Hadoop cluster. Okay. 
So what is resource manager? Resource manager is the master demon that runs on the master machine, which is a high-end machine. Node manager, on the other hand, is the demon that runs on the slave machines or the data nodes, okay, along with the data node process, right? Let's understand this in a little more detail and explore other components as well, okay? So what is a client? A client is nothing but with submit some app reduce job, like we did from the CLI, okay, that is command line interface. So it is also a client using which we were able to submit the map reduce job, okay, so it is a client. Similarly, a client could be a Java application or anything. Now, what is a resource manager? Resource manager, as I said, is the master daemon to which all the jobs are submitted from the client. It is the one which allocates all the cluster level resources for executing a particular job. Resource manager runs on a machine which is actually a high-end machine with good configuration because it is the master machine which has to manage everything over the cluster. Okay. What is node manager? Node manager is a slave daemon that runs on the slave machines or the data nodes. So every slave machine will have a node manager running. It monitors the resources of a particular data node. Resource manager manages the cluster resources and node manager manages the data node resources. Okay. So what is job history server? It is someone who keeps a track of all the jobs that has been executed over the cluster or has been submitted on the cluster. It keeps the track of their status as well. Okay. It also keeps the log files of every execution happened over the Hadoop cluster. Okay. So what is application master? Application master is again a process that is executed on a node machine, on a slave machine and created by a resource manager to execute and manage a job. It is the one which negotiates the resources from the resource manager and finally coordinates with the node manager to execute the task. Okay. Similarly, what is a container? A container is created by the node manager itself, which has been allocated by resource manager and within the container, all the jobs are finally executed. Okay. So, Yarn application workflow in MapReduce. So, as I said, resource manager. So, there is a resource manager to which all the jobs are submitted. There is a cluster in which there are slave machines. On every slave machine, there is a node manager running. Okay. Resource manager has got two components, one is scheduler, another one is application manager. Okay. Now, let's say a job is submitted to the resource manager. As soon as the job is submitted, the scheduler schedules the job. Once the scheduler schedules the job to be executed, application manager will create a container in one of the data nodes. Now, within this container, application master will be started. This application master will then register with the resource manager and request for a container to execute the task. Okay. Now, as soon as the container is allocated, application master will now connect with the node manager and request to launch the container. So as you can see, application master got allocated these two data nodes. Now this application master requested the node manager to launch these containers. Okay. As soon as the containers were launched, Application master executed the task within the container and the result was sent back to the client. Okay. Let's understand this in a little sequential manner. Okay. The first one is the client. The second one is the resource manager. Third one is the node manager. And the fourth one is the application master. How are the steps executed between them? Okay. So very first step is client submits the job to the resource manager as you can see right here. Now, the second step is resource manager allocates a container to start the application master on the slave machines, right? 
The third step is application master registers with the resource manager as you can see right here. As soon as it registers, it requests for the containers to execute the task. That is the fourth step. After that, application master notifies the node manager on which the container needs to be launched. Once the node manager has launched the containers, application master will execute the code within these containers. Finally, the client contacts the resource manager or the application master to monitor application status. Okay. And at the end, finally, the application master unregisters itself from the resource manager and the result is given back to the client, right? So this is one simple sequential flow of how a MapReduce program is executed using YARN framework. Guys, are you clear with this? If you want, I can repeat it for you. Matthew already said yes. What about others? Saurav wants me to repeat. I'll quickly repeat Saurav for you. The very first thing is client submits an application to resource manager step one. As soon as the client submits a job, the job is executed and resource manager will launch a container in step two on a slave machine in which application master will be executed. Application master will then register itself to resource manager and say, okay, I'm ready. Can you please assign me a container in which I can execute the job? That is step four. As soon as the container is assigned, application master will then connect with node manager on which the container needs to be launched. Node manager will launch the container and then application master will execute the job on that container itself in step six. Finally, client will keep on checking the status of the job from the resource manager or the application master. Once the job is executed successfully, application master will deregister itself from the resource manager and the result is sent back to the client. Great. I hope you liked it. So with this, we come to the end of the session today. Okay. So there are certain learning resources that you can go through the Hadoop tutorial that I have already told you in previous sessions. So there is a MapReduce tutorial which you can go through, which is again very beneficial for you guys to enforce your learning. Along with that, you have a blog written on MapReduce interview questions. Guys, please go through this blog as well because it is going to give you the insight to the questions that are asked in an interview so that you can prepare yourself. Okay then, so it's time we end the session and we'll meet in the next session.